for reaching out to moms like us who are in this stage of life with the little ones. She has been married to her husband, David, for 20 years. She has two kids, Emily, who's 14, and Daniel, who's 12, and a lot of pets, but I just couldn't keep track of all of those animals. She's been at Watermark for four years, and really, she said her um, passion is for moms of preschoolers and little ones, so I'm real excited to hear this talk today. I know she has a lot of wisdom to share with us from Proverbs 31, so let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll let Holly get started. Lord, I just thank you for all of the women who made it today, who are able to get themselves and their kids out of the house and here relatively on time, Lord. And we just um, lift up this time to you, and we lift up Holly's talk, and we just ask that you would draw us closer to you and just strengthen us and encourage us so that we can be the kind of moms um, who can really raise devoted followers of Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Everybody here? Okay, thank you, Alyssa. All right, I have a couple of disclaimers, first of all. Um, I'm going to use a PowerPoint presentation. This is my first time to ever do that. My daughter helped me do it. And just to kind of give you a background, when um, I was in college, we didn't have computers. And really, if you wanted to get a paper typed, you had to go to the typing service, unless you actually owned a typewriter, which I did not. So if you think about... That was a while ago. Um, But, you know, I didn't, I don't have the technology of the computer down. So if we have a little glitch, I'm just giving you that disclaimer up front. The second disclaimer is my daughter, who's 14, did the PowerPoint presentation for me. So if you're wondering why it's so colorful and the fonts are all different, she helps me with your handouts. There's one handout, every line is a different font. This goes to uh, prove one of the points I'm going to talk about today is if you enlist the help of your children to do a task, you cannot go back behind them and redo that because they will never want to help you again. So um, just bear with the bright, colorful presentation and all that. And I'm just very grateful that she helped me with it. All right, so we're going to try to get this started. All right. Okay, this is my family. And just that was my screensaver, so I had it up there so you'll know. That's us. And hang on. Oh goodness. Okay, here we go. All right. All of you are moms, but we're going to take a little test to get started to see if you really know if you're a mom. Your feet stick to the kitchen floor and you don't care. You go to the grocery store and find yourself having a good time. You can't find your cordless phone, so you ask a friend to call you and you run around the house madly, following the sound until you locate the phone downstairs in the laundry basket. You spend an entire week wearing sweats. Your idea of a good day is making it through without a child leaking bodily fluids on you. You can't remember the last time you didn't have to share your drink. Your favorite television show is a cartoon. Number eight, peanut butter and jelly is eaten at least in one meal a day. Seven, you're willing to kiss a child's booby regardless of where it is. Six, your kids make jokes about bodily functions and you think it's funny. You're so desperate for adult conversation that you spill your guts to the telemarketer that calls and he hangs up on you. (laughs) 
Spit is your number one cleaning agent. You buy cereal with marshmallows in it. The closest you get to gourmet cooking is making Rice Krispie treats. And the number one reason you might be a mom, you're up each night at 10 p.m. vacuuming, dusting, wiping, washing, drying, loading, unloading, shopping, cooking, driving, flushing, ironing, sweeping, picking up, changing sheets, changing diapers, bathing, helping with homework, paying bills, budgeting, clipping coupons, folding clothes, putting to bed, dragging out of bed, brushing, chasing, buckling, feeding them, not you, plus swinging, playing baseball, bike riding, pushing trucks, cuddling dolls, rollerblading, basketball, football, catch, bubble, sprinklers, Slides, nature walks, coloring crafts, jumping rope, plus raking, trimming, planting, edging, mowing, gardening, painting, walking the dog. You get up at 5.30 a.m. and you have no time to eat, sleep, drink, or go to the bathroom, and yet you still manage to gain 10 pounds. (laughs) All right. All right. My goals for for you all today is to be encouraged and to not be overwhelmed. I want you to focus on what you're doing well. Don't focus on what you're not doing well. This, you're in the stage of life it's really easy to get discouraged and to beat yourself up. And I'm telling you right now, don't do that. Okay, claim one thing from today, one idea, one tidbit that you want to you try out and tackle that. And then don't do anything else until you've accomplished that. Don't go home with 15 things you're going to try to implement. I don't know. Some more disclaimers. I don't have all this figured out. I just remember what it was like to be in y'all's stage of life. And the world doesn't really value women who stay home and raise children or who have that as their priority. And I want y'all to be encouraged. And that, that's why I'm here today. Um, we are all works in progress. That's just one of those things. And you go through seasons of life where you have things figured out and then you kind of slide on a certain thing. You do really well on one thing and not so well on another. We're all works in progress. And remember this, every family is different. And that's what I want to present today is just a variety of ways that you can tackle certain things. But realize that, you know, just because your friend does it a certain way doesn't mean you have to do it that way too. And just embrace the family God's given you and, um, and go from there. Okay, now I'm going to do a little survey to kind of see where my audience is. How many of you spin your own thread? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. Um, How many of you own a vineyard? How many of you make your own bedspreads or belted linen garments? That seems pretty outdated, doesn't it, when you you look at that passage. Okay, now, um, how many of you want your husband to trust you? How many of you want to bring him good and not harm? Now, how many of you want to be clothed with strength and dignity? How many of you want to be wise and give instructions with kindness? Now, who, who doesn't want those things? Now, let's take a look at a modern version of the um, Proverbs 31 passage that we just looked at from an older translation. Again, this is in your handout if you want to follow along. A wife of noble character who can find... She is worth far more than rubies, so buy her diamonds. Her husband knows that she has everything under control, and he has nothing to complain about. She is the source of goodness in his life, not the harm. She selects denim and cotton poly blends from the discount rack and works eagerly with her hands to remove the price stickers so her children will not know that their trendy clothes were bought on clearance. 
She shops at Target and Walmart and occasionally gets all the way across town to the Allen Premium Outlet Mall in order to get the best value for her money. She is up before the sun pouring cereal and packing lunches. She considers an old dresser at a yard sale and buys it. And with the money she saved on her grocery bill, she is able to buy paint and new knobs for the dresser. She sets about her work vigorously. She can carry two loads of laundry and a child without breaking a sweat. She sells the dresser on eBay and stays up late waiting to see how much profit she's made. She replaces missing buttons and men's holes in everyone's clothing. She donates to the food bank and takes meals to friends in need regularly. When it rains, she has no fear for her household. It's too bad if they don't like the bright red rain boots. At least they'll stay dry. She makes the beds and manages to pull together matching outfits for herself. Her husband goes off to work where he sits with the other businessmen. She chooses something she's good at and figures out how to make money by doing it. Outwardly, she is clothed with strength and dignity, even if she's missing an underwire and had to grab a longer skirt to hide the huge hole in her pantyhose. She can laugh at the days to come because all the kids' science projects are done and last year's Halloween costume will be adequate for the school play. She speaks with wisdom and consistent instruction is on her tongue. She pays the bills and makes sure everyone gets to the right swimming lessons on the right day. She does not eat the bread of idleness because she is on Atkins. (laughs) Her children yell, thanks mom, as they grab their lunch and run out the door. Her husband also says, thanks babe, you're the best. Charm only gets you so far, and beauty is temporary, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned, and let her works bring her respect wherever she goes. So when you look at the, uh, the version that was in the video, the, the, you know, the, the real version of Proverbs 31, and not this modified modern one I just read, you need to keep in mind that the scripture is not out of date. And it's from 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed and is used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and in righteousness. And another thing I want you to keep in mind is this passage, it's a proverb. It's not a promise. It doesn't say if you spin thread, buy a vineyard, work vigorously, that your children will rise up and call you blessed. That your husband will praise you. It's, it's, a, it's a proverb. So it's, a, it's something that you want to aspire to, but it's not meant to be a promise. Okay. Before, um, when I knew I was going to do this talk, I kind of wanted to see what women thought about this passage. Because it's one of those things, the first time you read it, or if you've heard a sermon preached on it, then you're like, oh my goodness, not this woman again. She's got it all together. You know, what... Um, I can never do that. I'm overwhelmed. You know, give me a break or whatever. So I sent an, an email out to a smattering of different women. And I want to share with you what they said and see if, if any of this rings true with you. Uh, mom of a three-year-old with one on the way says, Honestly, Holly, I always think I'll never be that. Or think about how miserably I fail at it every day. And then list a handful of things I need to start doing. Isn't that helpful? A 46-year-old mom of three kids, industrious, runs her house well, respects her husband, mentors younger women. A 30-year-old mom with a 3-year-old says, when I read about this woman, I am both encouraged and overwhelmed. Millie Hale, who y'all may know is one of the mentor moms in building blocks, this was her reply. When I think of the Proverbs 31 woman, I think of my mother-in-law. She walks the walk. To know her is to love him. She is rooted and grounded in God's word. Her life is reflective of that. God's will for her life has at times been difficult, but that has not deterred her from pursuing his path. All four of her children arise and call her blessed. 
Because of her modeling unconditional love, that is how all four of her children love one another. She certainly brought this chapter to life for me. I am so blessed. Like, who, who doesn't want your kids, and, and this is her daughter-in-law, to think that about her. I thought that was awesome. Um, another response was, um, when I think of the Proverbs 31 woman, I think, sure, she could do all these things, so bring food from afar, buy a field, plant a vineyard, because she has plenty of servants. And then um, one, of, and one of my friends um, who has kids, ages 14, 12, 9, and 6, he's 43. Here's her response. The Proverbs 31 woman is not a newlywed. She is a mature woman. She's resourceful. She has a servant's heart, but she can delegate work well. She is a hard worker. She thinks of her family and others, too. She is smart, but also wise. She lifts weights. She sews or at least shops for a good bargain. She has wealth but does not abuse it. She has a heart surrendered to God because she does what she does with a willing heart. She guards her tongue. This takes practice and many mistakes. She is definitely older. She is loved. She wears her age well. She does not read how to look younger because she does not need to. She does not use wrinkle cream. She wears her wrinkles without shame. She knows that charm and beauty are vain, but I suspect that she is charming and beautiful anyway. So it's just kind of a, a random survey of what different, different people thought. Um, when I started looking at this passage, it gave me great comfort to know that this is not a description of one woman. Whew, I'm so thankful <laughs> somebody didn't have it all together. This passage was actually written by King Lemuel. And I looked that up to see who he was. And my source said he's a king mentioned in Proverbs. So there you have it. Um, King Lemuel wrote this. It was based on his mother's teachings about what he should look for in a wife. And he wrote it as a poem. And actually from verse 10 to verse 31, it's 22 verses. And it's written in the acrostic form and using the Hebrew alphabet. So each verse starts with one letter from the Hebrew alphabet. So after you all learn your Hebrew alphabet, then you can memorize the poem. And then you'll know about memory. But you know, he, wrote, he wrote it based on what his mother said so he could look for a wife. But it was also, um, it's also a guide for us in what is considered to be a virtuous wife, what the, what the Lord would have us be as a wife. And the passage, you know, it, it says a virtuous wife who can find. Clearly, um, you know, it doesn't say a virtuous mom, but we know she had children. It talks about her children rising and calling her blessed. And some of the things we're going to talk about later are things that you can do in your household that will help you free up some time, hopefully, to be a better mom. But I also don't want us to neglect the wife part of the passage as well. All right, let's look at some of the characteristics of the Proverbs 31 woman. I think this is in your handouts. If you look at these different um, characteristics, they're like pearls on a strand. Virtue, faithfulness, charitable, provider, wise, kind, good, busy. These are all things that you, if you think y'all are too young to remember when they had these things called beads. With like jewelry, when you really couldn't afford good jewelry, you would go buy a bead and then you would just add to it. So when you think of the Proverbs 31 woman and the virtues of that, it's just different, um, different beads on a strand. And sometimes um, 
we have a few strands. Sometimes our string breaks, we lose a few strands. Some of us are half-stranded. Some of us are bracelets. I don't really know very many people who are completely full-stranded. So think of it that way. This, this, these goals, all these characteristics, they take work. And they don't come easy. And they're going to change as your seasons in life change. Um, so just kind of keep that in mind. Now let's look at what these look like in real life. Okay, the Proverbs 31 woman, someone who works willingly, isn't a good steward over her finances. So this means that you... Um, said about your work, you take care of your house, um, you're a good steward with your finances, you don't sneak off to Target and buy an extra bag of stuff and leave it in your car and sneak it in the house when your husband is um, gone or tell your children, shh, don't tell daddy I bought someone. So you want to be a good steward. You want to be someone your husband trusts. Um, do your chores diligently. Make sure your family's well fed and your groceries are stocked. Uh, Keep yourself physically fit. Work hard. Don't be afraid of physical labor. Take care of your home and family. Uh, be productive in business dealings. And this is this is a lot. When you start looking at this, you're like, oh my goodness, how does how does how are we supposed to do all this? I've got these little kids. I can't possibly do all that. One thing I want you to go away with today is to not feel guilty about what you are doing or what you're not doing. I mean, I think as moms, we are the queens of guilt. We feel guilty over everything. Um, if something goes wrong in our household, we must feel somehow that this is our responsibility, that we did something wrong. And I want you to think about the difference between false guilt and true guilt. So true guilt is, um, let's just use an example. Let's say you... Um, we're trying to get ready this morning to get here. Your kids were playing with toys on the floor, and you started yelling at them, come on, we got to go, we got to go. You lose your temper with them. On the way here, you start feeling guilty. I shouldn't have lost my temper. And so that's true guilt. You know, you, you feel bad about something you did. You apologize to your children. You ask for forgiveness. You tell them you were wrong. That's an example of true guilt. False guilt is always detrimental. That comes from Satan, from others, for yourself. You... Um, Feel responsible for things that aren't your fault. Let's say you ask your husband to go to the grocery store to pick up a gallon of milk on the way home, and he gets a traffic ticket on the way home, and you somehow think that's your fault. It's like, no, that's, that's false guilt. You don't need to, to own that. Um, things we don't have any control over. You had to cancel a birthday party because it was raining, and you feel guilty because of that. It's like, again, that's just not something within your control. Um, Feel guilty about things that you, that you had to do that were hard. You had to spank your child because they were being disobedient. And you feel guilty over that. That's false guilt. That is something, um, I think as moms, we are prone to, to feeling that. Because kind of we're the hub and everything revolves around us. And if things don't go well, somehow it must have been some shortcoming of something that we were doing. So what I want you to do is you consider all these different qualities of the Proverbs 31 woman. Think about if you're feeling, oh my gosh, I'm such a failure at that. Think about, you know, is that, are, you, are you really feeling true guilt or are you really feeling false guilt? And there is a verse that goes with this. Okay. Send, send your guilt, false guilt through the Philippians 4.8 filter. 
Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, think about such things. So dwell again on the positive and not on the negative in terms of what you're what you are doing well and what, what you can be what can be improved. Okay. So we're gonna look from a practical standpoint. What I wanted to do today was to give you all just some practical tips, ideas. Um, again, I don't have all this figured out. Some of these are ideas I've gotten from different friends, things I tried at different stages in life that worked for me. But um, we're going to look at two main areas. One is kind of your role as the wife and your, your pursuit of being a virtuous wife. And then we're going to leave that and we're going to go to what I'm going to call the household manager part of being a Proverbs 31 woman. All the things, buying the vineyard, considering you know a field and doing all those things. What that, what that looks like from a practical standpoint. Laundry, cooking, uh, grocery shopping, things like that that are all things that we all have to do, that you're going to do for as long as you're around. And my, my goal for you would be to get some ideas to help you do that more effectively so that you can then be a better mom and a better wife. So that's what we're going to look at um, again. So what I want you to do, focus on the positive, not on the negative, and remember every family is different. All right. The virtuous wife. I think on the handout that you have, there is a little um, black and white photograph, and it actually came, this was or like a, a little illustration. This came from the 1950s guide on how to be a good wife. Um, so I'm thankful that we, we have um, in some ways made a lot of progress since then. But I think in some ways um, the role of being a wife has been devalued. I mean, you hear in popular culture, you know, you're equals and you don't need to, to submit to anyone and your husband needs to share in everything you do. And in reality, you know, if you read the Proverbs 31 uh, passage, that's not God's plan. And his, his plan is for you to do these things at home with excellence. And, and that should be celebrated. So, all right. Um, your role as a wife. I would say, especially in your stage of life, it is so easy to forget about your husband. You're exhausted by the time he comes home. You've got these kids. You're like, last thing you're thinking about is trying to look pretty and happy and all these things when he gets home. But remember, when the kids are gone, he's still going to be there. So don't don't neglect him. Um, find out what's important to him. I have a husband who likes home-cooked food. He likes sauce. Doesn't really care if the house is a mess when he comes home. I mean, really, he doesn't. I've never heard him complain about the house is a mess. But it's like, what's for dinner? I mean, that's what's important to him. But you can spend an incredible amount of time doing what you think is important to him when in reality it's not. So just ask him. You know, it's like, would you rather? I have I have another friend whose husband wants everybody happy which is a really hard bill at y'all's stage of life. But, you know, so she could spend all this time in the kitchen making dinner when all he really wants is to walk into a happy household. I have another friend whose husband likes everything neat 
and clean and tidy well it's the same thing if you're focusing on what you think is important to him when it's really not you've missed the mark and you might actually be causing yourself a lot more work that is necessary so ask him go home and say hey you know when you get home from work what what speaks your love language what do you really like and find out and then I would say you know to the best you can without beating yourself up try to meet that goal I mean I know with my husband because it's the food issue I mean if there's just like it just looks like dinner is going that he's okay like there's <laughs> vegetables on the counter and like there's a plates out or whatever so just figure it out like if it's being neat and tidy just run through with your laundry basket and pick up or make it a game with the kids or you know if they're really cranky or upset it's like here have a piece of chocolate <laughs> he's coming home whatever it takes just figure that out um okay uh earn, earn his trust and i put um budget and money so that i mean again goes back to my illustration of you know buying things sneaking behind his back all that kind of stuff you really want him to be able to trust you with um the resources that you have and being a good steward with that and, and some of this is going to be and we'll get into this when we talk about paper it's if you still get bills in the mail that you can find them that you can pay them on time that you and I have know someone whose lights would frequently get turned off because she would not be able to find the bill and the bill wouldn't get paid and then he would come home and there would be no power and the last time it happened, she had to get other friends to go over there so that he wouldn't just lose it when he got home because she had continued to do this. So that's part of earning his trust and respect. Okay. I want to respect and honor him. Um, I know it, it can be very tempting if you've had a really, um, you know, you've had an argument, he's irritated you, you think he's being selfish or something like that, to disrespect him to other people and I would just really caution you about that um, you know that respect to men is just a, such a huge thing you really want to be careful who you, who you say what to now I, I have a friend that I've known for half my life and we I can kind of vent to her and say you know what David did so and so so and so and she'd be like I'm so sorry but she's going to be like you know you need to love him you need to you know she'll focus me back in the right way so be careful with who you share and be careful what you share discover his top needs and seek to meet them um, and what we want to focus on today is you don't want to elevate your house and all these things over your husband or over your kids but you don't want to elevate your kids over the needs of your house or your husband um, but find out from him what's important I mean I would I would uh, venture to say that for most of the men sex is probably what is important to them and that's just a uh, that's a big high need for them y'all are in a stage of life where that is probably the last thing that is on your mind um, you're exhausted you're physically drained you're like you've got to be kidding me but that's important to them but I would say ask your husband find out from him you know does he want clean clothes a home-cooked meal does he want you to be you know uh, available after the kids have gone to bed and if, if that's it then you need to say hey you know um, I have a friend the, the one in here who um, wrote about the Proverbs 31 woman um, lifted weights and she wore her wrinkles well she and her husband have a little system that when he gets home if he 
wants to be intimate later, he will light a candle in a certain part of the house so be sure that she sees it. And then she knows. And she can kind of get her mind in the right. Y'all are laughing. You kind of get your mind in the right place of like, this is coming. I need to think about this. You know? Um, I need to I need to regroup so that when the time comes, I can actually not just be there physically, like, okay, here we go. But, you know, that you actually can be there to um, to be intimate with him. So if that's a little, you know, or, you know, your kids are young enough that your husband could send you a text message with some code or something like that, that you could, you know, so that you would know that he was interested in that. But I think, and the other thing is, if you get caught completely off guard and that's the last thing on your mind, you just, instead of being like, looking at him like, you must be joking, you say, can you give me a few minutes? And then you just kind of go wherever it is that you can kind of decompress and get your head in the right place and honor them. So, okay, that's my little talk on that. But find, find out what's important to him. And, and this, this will cure a world of of problems around your house. So just think about that. Um, okay, don't, and don't assume anything. Ask your husband what is important to you. What, you know, what am I doing that you, I think I'm doing well? What do you think that I can work on together? And then hopefully he'll flip that and you can, uh, you know, do the same thing with him. Okay. Um, try to have a date night at least every two weeks if you can. And I know some of you got little ones, you don't you have child care issues or whatever. You can do a date in your own house. You just figure out, okay, like if you always eat on a tray in front of the television or you always eat in the breakfast room or whatever, go to a different room or do something different. But have a time where you go and reconnect and remember why you got married in the first place. That he's that you have a role as a as a wife and not just mommy. And go and, and spend time with your husband. And if, if you can, try not to talk about the kids. I know that's a hard one. Um, try to go on a couple's trip um, every couple of years. And again, and some of you, that might not be possible. But you could swap off with a friend possibly for a weekend or ask your in-laws or something like that. I think it is just a great thing to do. And you will come back, I promise you, you will come back a better mom and a, and a better wife, and you will fall back in love with your husband when you have a chance to kind of get away from the daily grind. So if you can do that, and again, that's one of those guilt, false guilt things, don't put yourself on the false guilt trip about, you know, what will happen to the children if I leave them for two nights or whatever. It's a, it's a good thing. Okay. Um, my next thing is your appearance. I know in y'all's stage of life, it's very easy to... Just let yourself go and, you know, not care about what you look, what you, you know, how you look, what you wear, um, what you look like when he comes home. But, you know, he, I guarantee you, he's noticing. And we live in Dallas. It's like the mecca of plastic surgery and shopping and... Um, vanity and consumerism and chances are he's going to encounter women throughout the day that look really good you know that aren't in sweatpants a ponytail um, you know tops with spit up on them and they and they haven't been in that same outfit for three days so think about that 
And I'm not, I really, I don't want to, um, and I'm not saying to you, okay, get up, get, you know, take a shower, put your makeup on, get your nicest clothes. I'm just saying, just, you know, stop and reflect for a moment kind of where you are in the realm of how you're taking care of yourself. The other part of that is um, getting some form of exercise. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this one more thing for us to do. Um, you know, I know it's hard to go to the, it's expensive to go to a gym. It's hard to go to the gym. You've got the kids, the time, all that kind of stuff. Okay, I have an idea for you. And I'm not, I'm not getting anything from this, and I'm not an infomercial or anything like that. Okay, this gal is named Jillian Michaels. She's one of the trainers on The Biggest Loser. She has this workout video called The 30 Day Shred. It's 20 minutes, ladies. It's 20 minutes. It is amazing. I'm telling you what, it's amazing. 20 minutes. You could do it with your baby in the swing. You could do it with one. You do it while they're taking a nap. You can fit this in. This will make a difference. And and this is just an idea. You can go do anything. But I'm just saying, start now. Get yourself in the habit of doing something for yourself. You're going to feel better. It. It really is a good thing. And because I think this is such a great thing, this is one of our drawing items. So, yes. All right. And don't call me if you're sore the next day. <laughs> Stephanie McElroe. All right. You can come, come see me later and I'll... Okay. All right. So that's one idea. Okay. Um, all right, be his number one fan. That is, I mean, no one else is going to be your husband's number one fan, maybe except his mother. But wouldn't you rather you be the number one fan and not his mother? I mean, really, just think about that. And a couple of ideas on that. I got this idea from Focus on the Family. Pull, get a piece of paper, a note card or something like that, and write down on there every character quality you think is awesome about your husband. You know, you're, um, and like mine would be like, you know, you're a good father. You, you love my mother. I mean, that's, sometimes that's really hard to do. <laughs> um, you know, you, you're a hard worker. You're honest. I mean, all the different character qualities. And then... I, I keep I keep that in a little. I'm still an antique. I use a day timer. I don't have all my stuff on my phone, but I have it with me. And then I wrote him a letter, and I said, I want you to know why I love you. I love you because, and I wrote all these qualities out. Now I'm not so sure. I, I think he probably appreciated it. Now if somebody did that for me, I would love it. That hadn't happened yet. But I wrote him this letter. And then the other thing I do that you can have if you put this on this card is that when you're really mad at him. You can pull it out, and it can be a reminder to you of, okay, he's really not such a bad guy after all. These are really the things I'm thankful for. So that that's a, an idea that you can that you can do. Okay, all right. Let's move on to that picture. Doesn't go with that. Uh oh. All right, we're out of order, but we're gonna go back. Let's see. Um, okay, this was a picture of one, one of my friends sent me this picture of her kitchen when it was like in chaos with everything all over the place. Yeah, I know. Um, okay, so this is the, the kitchen. All right, different things I talk about with the kitchen. Um, grocery shopping, meal planning, cooking, cleanup, 
all these things. This is something, ladies, you're going to be doing for as long as you, you know, until you go to the nursing home, okay? So you might as well, my advice to you would be figure out a plan and then work the plan. Figure out a system that's going to work for you. And this is going to change. What works for you when you have little ones is going to change when they go to school. It's going to change when they're in high school and they have all different activities. But so you have to be able to not be rigid and have one plan. I always go to the grocery store on Sundays. You know, that's going to change. But you figure out through different seasons of life what works for you and, and do that. But if you don't have a plan, you're going to fail. I mean, it would just be like the building they're building over here. If they didn't have a plan to start with, we would be nowhere. They have a plan and they're following it. All right. Figure out what you're going to be eating. This is going to save you time. And in the, in the uh, back of the packet I gave you, there are some handouts. There's... Um, a monthly calendar with a dinner menu on there. This came from one of my friends. And it, these are just ideas of, this, of how she does it. She doesn't um, plan three meals a day. She just figures out dinner. And then um, I think some of this is double-sided. On the back of that page is a blank dinner calendar so that you can have that as a starting point to start with. I actually have these in email form. If you want to email me, I can email that to you, the document, and then you'll have a blank thing to start from. So and my email is on the front cover of the, of the handout. But this is just an example of um, dinner menus. There's another chart in here that has all different things like chicken ideas, meat ideas, vegetable ideas, starch ideas, different things like that. But figure out a starting point. Another idea, if you're, when your kids are old enough, is to put the burden on them and say, tell mommy three things that you would like for us to have this month. This especially helps if you have picky eaters. I mean, let them pick, and it can't be like, um, you know, McDonald's or um, something that's, un- I mean, it has to be a reasonable home-cooked meal. That That's another idea of that. Okay, Stock your pantry or your cupboard or whatever it is. There's in that handout um, sheet too. There is it's two sheets, kind of bold print. You want to hold that up, Sunday? Looks like that. There's um, this came from one of my friends as well. It's just kind of basic things to have in your pantry, and she actually keeps this taped up in her pantry. Um, it's kind of a reminder for when she's going to the store what she might be out of. One thing, and I know everybody does it different. When you use your last can of chicken broth, go write that on your grocery list so that you can get it the next time you're at the store and you don't run out. If you, any of you have an iPhone, there's a great app on the iPhone called Grocery IQ. costs 99 cents, and you can do your grocery list on your phone. If you type, you type in the first three letters of the item, and then it pops up with all the different um, options. It's a great thing when your kids get old enough, and with the kids, it's younger and younger now when they're into all the technology. My son will say, Mom, we're out of chocolate milk. I'm like, go put it on my phone. And then the burden is off of me. It's on to him. So that's just that's one idea if you do have an iPhone. Um, all right, so you stock your pantry. So there's the, um, the list for that. Make a master grocery list. Or if you are somebody who goes to Sam's or Costco, 
I bet if you look at your habits of what you use in your household, they're the same every month or every six weeks, how often you go. So take the time and make a master list. Every time I go to Sam's, I need paper towels, toilet paper. I need chocolate. You know, We use those little chocolate milk boxes for lunches. I need that. I need croutons or whatever. Make a master list, and then you'll have it. Same thing with the grocery store. I bet there are things that you buy every single time you go. You know, milk, orange juice, eggs, bread, stuff like that. But it's amazing how many times you can get to the store and you'll get to the car or you'll get home and you'll be like, oh, I can't believe I forgot to buy milk. And you've got two babies and you're like, okay, do we go without milk? Do I go back in the store? Do I unload these groceries first? Do I send my husband on the way home? So make a master list. Even though you think, I won't forget to buy milk, you will. All right, cook and freeze. I'm a huge freezer person. I love the freezer. I use it for a lot of different things. My husband takes his lunch every day to work, so I freeze a lot of stuff because he takes leftovers to work. I also make extra. when, I, Like if I make spaghetti sauce, I make enough to feed like 50 people. I'm not kidding. I'll freeze it in Ziploc bags right on there, you know, what it is when I made it. I do that. You can also freeze um, this... It's amazing what you can freeze. You can freeze cooked pasta. Like if you have a child who really likes butter noodles or something like that, you can freeze pasta. You can freeze white rice. You can freeze orzo. You can freeze, if anybody makes the um, oven roasted potatoes, like where you cut the potatoes up and onions and you roast them, you can freeze those if you have leftovers. And then when you get ready to serve them, you just stick them, like, you know, put some foil in a pan, put them in there and put them back in the oven and they crisp right up and you can't tell that they were frozen. So that, I think especially for side dishes, I, I use a freezer a lot. All right, I have three um, different ideas of things that have worked at different points in my life. When my, um, actually when I still just had one and I was still working, I did a cooking co-op. Actually, I've done about four cooking co-ops now that I think about it. Um, and we had a rotation of four families. We started um, Monday through Thursday, and you made main course, vegetable, salad. We didn't really include dessert. And then you would deliver, you know, if you cooked on Monday, you would deliver your meal to the other three families. And then Tuesday through Thursday, you would get meals from them. So depending on your stage of life, it's a great option. And I put a handout in your little packet of how to do a cooking co-op. If you go online, there's a zillion women who have written in on how they do this and how this works. That worked. That was a great thing for me at that stage of life. We didn't have activities at night. I was working during the day. It was nice to have the meal. I cooked on Sunday. I delivered on Monday. I mean, I would come home and we would have great food. We bought a whole set of Tupperware dishes and we just all kind of rotated back and forth. So that way you weren't trying to figure out how to get your dish back from somebody. Later, um, I was in a different cooking co-op with um, a couple of other gals. Gail Stouffer, who's one of the mentor moms, we did a deal one year. Our daughters were both taking dance at the same time. And every other week, she, one, she cooked for me, and then I'd cook for her. And it was just nice to have that break from one meal. So that's something. My, my point of this would be, I would, I would suggest that you know what kind of cook the person is before you get in the cooking co-op. <laughs> Because we had a, the first one I was in, we had a situation where um, none of the husbands would eat the food that this poor girl cooked. And then we 
had to get out of it and it was really hard so don't don't do that figure out ahead of time that you know you pretty much like what what the person's going to cook let's see um it needs to be it needs to be practical if you live in plano you don't want to be in a cooking co-op with someone that lives in lakewood i mean it's that's just not practical it needs to be people in your neighborhood people um that you're going to see like at a community group function or your kids are doing something together. It needs to be workable or it's just going to turn out to be a hassle. All right, the, the, what I'm doing now is a thing we call the WOTE, Women on the Edge. And it is, I think, for my stage of life now, it's a great thing. And what this is, um, somebody will send out about 20 different recipe choices that might be grilled flank steak, chicken parmesan, pork tenderloin or whatever, and the 12 women that are in the group vote on which entrees they would like to be made. The top 12 winners then get divided up. Let's say Sunday would make 12 recipes of flank steak, Desi would make 12 chicken parmesans, I would make uh, 12 you know, whole roasted chickens or whatever. You prepare the recipe, you put it in a freezer bag, and then we all show up at one house on a given day with our coolers, and we all trade, and you leave with 12 different entrees. And you have those in your freezer, and they're ready to cook, and the recipes are all totally awesome. It's been a great thing for our family because it's given us a chance to try some different things. So I think, I mean, depending on your stage of life, and if you have the freezer space, it's a great thing. Now, you could also do the same thing with your community group. If there's four or five girls in there, you pick um, the recipes. You would each show up when you're going to have your regular community group, and you would just swap, and you'd go home with four different things. So anyway, I think it's a great thing. The good thing about it is it's not like you're submitting your own recipe. And then there's a lot of pressure on you of, oh my gosh, what if they don't like what I cooked? It's like these are kind of stock recipes that other people have voted on so you don't really have to, you don't have to feel the false guilt about whether or not people liked what you made so again if anybody's interested in if you think that might work for you if you'll email me I have all those recipe files um, in a folder and I'm happy to share them with you because they're it's they're it's a great thing anyway I'm that's my that's the woat sometimes it's also known as the frozen food network if you don't like the word woat all right, so that's um, kind of the grocery shopping, planning, cooking. You've got handouts there. What I wanted y'all to leave with were real, I, real, not just ideas like oh, we you try this, try that, but real. You've got some tools there that you can use when you go home to make this part of your life easier. All right, and I also wanted to share with you some things that um, that I do in the kitchen or things I like. Just so you'll know. Okay. Um, Kitchen scissors. I don't know how many of you have these. I love kitchen scissors, especially when you have little bitty kids. You, you know, if you don't want to give them a whole grape because you're afraid they might choke, you just cut, cut it in half with the kitchen scissors. Frozen waffles, which end up getting shredded if you try to cut them with a knife and fork, just cut them up with your kitchen scissors. Hot dogs. You can use them for a variety of things. I think kitchen scissors are great. All right. And we have a giveaway of a pair of kitchen scissors. Let's see. Nicole. Okay, okay, these came from Target. I think um, these are like $9. They had some as cheap as, uh, I think they were $2.99. So if you're thinking, I don't even know if I would use the kitchen scissors, go get the $2.99 ones at Target 
And Karen Perfetta, who does um, Pampered Chef, they also sell them through Pampered Chef. So just a little plug for Karen. Um, anyway, I think kitchen scissors are great. All right, parchment paper. You use this on a cookie sheet when you're going to um, do slice and bake. You're going to do crescent rolls. You're going to do biscuits. You're going to do anything. And then you just take the bread or whatever off of the parchment paper, throw the parchment paper away, and stick your cookie sheet back in the cabinet. And you don't have to wash it. Unless the cookies are really greasy, then you might have to rinse it. But you won't be there scrubbing and scrubbing trying to get it off. Parchment paper. That goes to Robin. The two B's. Parchment paper. <laughs> oh, good. Good. She says she uses it. All right. Um, press and seal. Everybody's seen this. This is not your mom or your grandmama's saran wrap. This is actually sticks and works. I think that's great. And this is Laura Hernandez. You can oh. Here. Is your present seal? All right. Okay. Uh, crock pot liners. If any of you like to use the crock pot, and that's another thing, if you want crock pot recipes, I have a folder that has like, it's a ridiculous amount of crock pot recipes. Anyway, I'm happy to email that to you if you want it. These things are great because. Um, you do still have to wash your crock pot, but what you don't have to do is scrub and scrub and scrub and scrub. So these things are great. Slow cooker liners. This is Carolyn Chapman. Okay. Oh, good. Good. Okay. Um, Ziploc bags. Everybody knows about Ziploc bags, but I love these big... Two and a half gallon bags. You can use these. Um, you're having a big group. You want to toss a salad, or you um, need to pack some kids' clothes. They're going to grandma's for a night, and you want to put little outfits together or something like that. Anyway, I think the two and a half gallon ones are great. And these are for Julia Hinterling. Okay, you're welcome. All right. Zip and steam bags by Ziploc. I love these. These are, um, and they come in two sizes. They come in medium and then they come in large. Basically what you do with this, it's like a Ziploc bag, but you put your raw uncooked vegetables in there. You don't have to um, wash them, cut them up, put them in there. And then it tells you on the bag how long to cook it. If you have a full bag of broccoli, you cook it for four minutes. If you have a half bag of broccoli, you cook it for two minutes. You can also do potatoes in here. You can do chicken. You can do fish. Um, the great thing about these is, if, let's say you um, cook broccoli and you have some left over. You just zip it back up and put it back in the refrigerator. And then you don't have to get a whole other container out to store it in. And the best thing is then you don't have your steamer and the water or your pan or whatever. I think these are great. The only thing you don't want to do is wash them out and reuse them because you could get salmonella. So don't do that. But um, I think these are great. I love I love these things. They will, yes.
think these are designed these are designed especially for that. I mean these are not the real I mean they're different than the real Ziploc bags. So they're 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 intent, made specifically for the microwave. So but I think these are great. Like if you're going to make a squash casserole, just cut your squash up and stuff and then put your other ingredients, you know, with it in the pan. You don't have, it's just one less pan to cook. You can also put your spices or olive oil or whatever you want in here, season it up. Anyway, I think these are great. All right. I'm sorry, I'm going to Erica? Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. And sunshine masa. Okay. There you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Um, one other thing, a microwave cover. I don't know if y'all have seen these. They sell these um, on the aisle in Target where they actually sell microwave ovens. So if you don't know about that, you wouldn't know. They're like $3 or something like that. This is a huge thing, especially if you are using your microwave a lot and you hate when you open it. Somebody's put something in there and there's stuff spewed everywhere. As you can just wash this. This can also go in the dishwasher. Let's see. Brandy. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to pronounce the last name. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes, it's you. Yeah. You're welcome. All right. Okay. All right, this this is not a giveaway because this would be kind of cheesy as a giveaway. All right, these are the little dishwasher tablets. They're by Cascade. And these are the ones that you just put directly in your dishwasher that you don't you don't have to unwrap or anything. They're the gel and the powder. And these are great. It's just one one less step that you have to you don't have to unwrap, you don't have to get the thing out and measure, you just plop this in. The other thing these are great for is if you have a really nasty pan like you got distracted and whenever you were cooking for dinner burned or you didn't use a crock pot liner and it's gross, you just fill this up with water, throw this in, the next morning you come Dump the water out first because don't put your hand in there because there's bleach in here. And if you put your hand down in, in that water, it comes out. It feels really yicky. So dump the water out and then you, your cleanup is nothing. So this is a great um, time saver method. All right. The other, let's see, disposable cutting sheets. And unfortunately, I, I went to two stores and I couldn't find them. I understand they have them at Walmart, but these are great if you are doing something nasty like chicken that you don't want to have to um, get on your real cutting board. They're just these disposable cutting sheets, and then after you cut that up, then you just chunk them in the trash can. So that's a disposable cooking sheet. Other thing I like are these little um, these little spice grinders. They have them for salt, pepper, all different kind of things, and then you just turn them over and grind them. All right. Let's move on to. All right, let's do that. All right, let's move on to laundry. Okay. This was sent from my sweet friend that sent me the kitchen pictures. This was they had been like on vacation or something like that, and she's like she still remembers that day when she had all that laundry to do. All right. All right, uh, reduce the mountain. 
Rules with clothing, and this would be one of those things that you want to try to train your kids early on that the the dirty clothes hamper, the laundry basket or whatever is not a substitute for putting up clean clothes or for avoiding having to hang something back up. So the rule should, you know, and this is an idea, if it doesn't have visible dirt or it doesn't smell bad, it's not dirty. Now, with a lot of you with really little ones, pretty much everything's going to be dirty. You're, it's going to have something on it. And the other thing is, I kind of made this rule, I'm not smelling laundry. When your kids reach a certain age, you don't smell laundry anymore. It just doesn't happen. So I kind of just do the dirt check. Um, the exception to that, obviously, socks and underwear, you would want to encourage them to change that and wash that. Um, blue jeans, especially like if you have a little girl, jeans can be worn more than once. The boys, it's pretty much, I would say, you're going to have to wash pretty much every time. All right, uh, let's see, socks. I am not a, a slave to your socks. Socks can be a real problem, especially when your kids are little because they're tiny. They're small. But different, and these are just, again, different ideas, things that you can think about. I have one friend, am I losing that? One friend who bought the same socks for everybody in her entire family. Works for her. They're just all these kind of white cotton socks. It didn't matter whose drawer they got returned to. They were all the same. Uh, the dot system. Now, socks are hard I mean, to write. If you have multiple kids, they're about the same size. You, it's hard to write on a sock with a Sharpie. I've done it for camp. It's hard. But you could use the dot system. Child number one gets one dot. Child number two gets two dots. Child number three gets three dots. And then if your socks survive long enough that you could actually hand them down, then you could just add a dot for the next child to get it. Lingerie bag for your socks. That would be one thing you could do if you want to sort laundry beforehand. You could put all of child A's socks in one lingerie bag, child B's socks in a different one, and then you could put them back together. The uh, sock donuts, those, that's when your child just pulls them off and throws them in the basket and they're wadded up like that. Um, I have a friend. If that's how they go in, that's how they come out. When your laundry gets returned to you, the sock donut goes back in the drawer. And it doesn't take very many times of putting on a wet sock until they learn. And I would encourage, and this is an area that I have been a failure in, but I would encourage you to try to instill this, especially in your boys early, because as they get older, the socks stink bad and then you're having to <laughs> pull them out and they're they're smelly so that's one of those things this is your training ground try to try to train these things earlier and the, and the laundry it's overwhelming but when they get bigger the clothes get bigger and the laundry gets more and more so this is one of those things make a plan figure it out start early um, and you'll be glad later on that you did. All right, pajamas don't get dirty. It's one of those things with kids. I mean, really, they're clean. You put them on them. They lay in the bed. They get up. Unless they're eating breakfast in them and they've spilled something on them, you can use pajamas more than once. One idea is to have your child, if you're training them to make the bed in the morning, you, they can put their pajamas under their pillow so they'll know where they are. That's just an idea. I, there, one one gal I know, they didn't even they didn't fold them. They just wadded them up and stuck them back in the pillowcase. Just an idea. There's some people, and this is one of those things. Every family is different. Some people that would work for. Some people are like, you've got to be kidding me. There is no way I'm putting you know pajamas in a pillowcase. But just take these as ideas. You can do what works for you.
Right, uh, towels are a multi-use item. The towels do not need to be washed every single time. You're clean after you get out of the bathtub or the shower. You can hang them back up. This isn't really a problem when your kids are really little and you're bathing them and drying them off and putting the towel back on the rack. But when they get older, and believe it or not, they actually will get older. They actually will take their own bath or shower. And you know what? You'll miss it. Yeah, I know you're like, oh, it's bath time. It's like you will miss it, and and you will. But one thing with towels, you can do different colors for different people in the family. So that way, if Johnny leaves his towel wadded up on the floor, then it is wet, and he has to use it again the next day. Whereas if the other child actually hung theirs up, they get to use the dry towel. And you will know this because they're different colors. Or you could take just those old wooden clothespins, write the child's name on there if you have all the same color towels, and then you could just clip, you know, Sunday's towel is, you know, has got her little clip on it. Desi's towel has this one, and that way you'll know by that. Um, I, I was in preparing for this. I looked at a bunch of different materials, getting different ideas. Some people do towels on a schedule. They only do towels, you know, two times a week, and you know that you've got to, you know, you got to make your towel last for that long. Now, that wouldn't be what I would do, but you know, that worked for that lady. So. No, no guilt, false guilt. That worked for her. All right, sheets. One idea for sheets as opposed to, to changing them, putting a new set on, washing the other sheet and folding them, is just wash and return to the bed the same day. One thing is it makes, it makes you make the bed back up. You, don't, you, know, you have to get in it at night. You're going to be sure you do that. And then you don't waste that time folding the sheets and having to put them back in the cabinet. All right. All right, laundry, different ideas. Again, every family is different. So these are just different things that have worked for different people. Um, I know somebody who just does, they do laundry Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then they take the rest of the time off. I know someone who does laundry by family member. Monday is Johnny's day, Tuesday is Sally's day, Wednesday is somebody else's day. Now, when they're really little, that might be wasteful because their clothes are really little. You're going to use a whole load of wash just for this little bit amount of time. But that, that's what works for that person. Some people do um, boys one day, girls one day, upstairs one day, downstairs one day. Um, Millie Hale, one of the mentor moms, they have no laundry baskets. She does laundry every single day. That's what works for her. Um, some people just do laundry once a week. But the thing that I would encourage you to do is have a plan and use the plan. And if it doesn't work, then modify the plan. But you have to have a plan or, or you're not going to get anything done. In your handouts, there is it's 12 ways to do your laundry. And this is not, not mine. This came um, off the Internet. But I thought it was pretty. It was a pretty reasonable thing. It's just if you are struggling in this area and you don't have a place to start, this would be a place for you to start. A couple other ideas that I thought um, were good. One was it's called motivate to minimize. So the child with the least amount of laundry gets a prize. And this in this family, what they did was they had money taped to the bottom of the laundry basket. And then when they became laundry day, they counted how many dirty things were in the basket, except for underwear and socks, and the child with the least dirty clothes got the money. Now, 
you know, I, I don't know how that would work with boys. You would have to be careful about what actually didn't end up in the laundry basket, where it ended up, did the dirty stuff get back in the drawer, but that's an idea. Um, let's see, uh, fold and told read aloud. This mom, she had her kids involved in the folding of clothes. And she would read aloud to them while they folded clothes, which you know I thought was a pretty good idea. She also, the other thing was, if she's too tired, she just put a book on tape on. It's even better. You can take a nap. They fold your clothes. They're listening to a book. Anyway, that's an idea. All right, I know um, one other idea is I know someone who doesn't fold anything. They have a drawer. They open it up. They cram it in. Dish towels. Socks, underwear, it, that, I'm too type A, that would make me crazy. But it works for this person. So, you know, if you're type B, you have a bunch of kids, you're barely keeping your head above water, you know, you could let loose. It would be okay. So, just, just an idea. No, no folding. All right. Oops, I went too far. All right. Happy homemaking. I'll just tell y'all, I was, in preparing for this, I was trying to, um, to find this, a very clever, wonderful video to go um, with this talk. And so I googled housewife. You don't want to google housewife because you come up with all sorts of desperate housewives, so, which, which, which we are not. So I opted for happy homemaking. All right. Some progress is better than none. Don't give up. It's one of those things, again, if you're like, this is an area that you really struggle in, do not beat yourself up. Just take, you know, one little thing at a time and go from there. Um, One idea is to clean as you go, as opposed to just waiting for a certain day or a big block of time or something like that, especially if you have little kids, just clean as you go. If you open the microwave up and it's got yicky stuff all over it, just stop right then and clean it. Same thing, you know, or you up in a drawer or whatever it is. Just kind of cleaning a little bit as you go will help you do that. The other thing, and I used to be this way, um, I would walk in the kitchen, I would open a cabinet, and it would be a mess. The kids have been in there, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I need a whole day to clean this kitchen. This kitchen's a mess. Well, it's like the reality is that's probably not going to happen. But if you stopped right then or you said, this afternoon, I'm going to clean this kitchen off. That's just going to make you so, feel so much better. And the reality is you probably don't need to clean your whole kitchen. You probably just need to straighten that one drawer out. So just kind of think of it from that way. All right, the Mount Vernon approach. This is from a, a book. And I actually, in the back of your hand, there's a little bibliography of some books I read. This book is called The Messies Manual. It's kind of a humorous look at housekeeping pitfalls. Anyway, she talks about this thing called the Mount Vernon approach and she got that because she went to visit Mount Vernon and they were she was remarking at how clean the house was and they told her that when they do this they start at the front door and they work towards the back. So if you have a house that's kind of in need of an overhaul, her suggestion would be you start at the front door and you kind of move your way through. And this would involve not only like cleaning but purging as well so you would have a pile of um, things that trash I mean it's amazing at what you what we keep or what our children or husbands or whatever keep and then you look at it and you're like why do I have this or why is this here and you start with a trash bag and you throw that away and then you would have a pile of things you're going to give away and my, my advice to you on that is if you have stuff you're going to give away 
Just give it away. Don't try to find the perfect person, the perfect source, the perfect opportunity to give it away because it is just going to bog you down. You're thinking, oh, but you know, Susie's little girl would just love this, or I paid this much money for this. I need to find somebody who can really use this. And if you're really trying to make progress, just give it away. Find, you know, pick one one worthy cause and take everything there. That's that's my. Deal on that. Okay, involve your kids in chores. And this is another handout at the back of your thing. It's like a, a two or three page list of age appropriate things that you can have your child do. And I would just say, you know, kind of take this with a grain of salt. This was someone's idea of tasks that kids could do at age, you know, when they're age appropriate. And I was laughing. I was with a group of uh, friends, and we were looking at this, and we were like, if they could do all this, we wouldn't have to do anything. <laughs> this would be great. But it, it is an idea. I think, especially in our culture, we do way too much for our kids. Um, and, you know, really, if they can do it for themselves, they need to be doing it for themselves. And I would say one caveat to that is I have a child who acts of service is his love language. I mean, he is fully capable of filling his water bottle up and putting it in his backpack, but he loves me to do it. And, and, and so I do it. I mean, that to him, is he loves it. And so I'm going to do that. But if you have a child who really, you know, that's not their love language, make them do it themselves. Because your, your goal, and I have on here the three R's, your goal is to teach your children respect, responsibilities, and resourcefulness. And that's what you want them to do. I think, and this too, we are so caught up in ha- making sure our children have all these activities and classes and sporting events and this and the schooling is so much more difficult than we were in school and what they're all required to do. I tell my husband, we're raising kids, they're going to be really smart, but they're not going to have any common sense. So you need to start now and teach them to be resourceful. Or if they come to you with a question, well, how, well, how do you think you would go about that? Or where do you think mommy would keep the paper towels? Or whatever. Help them you know, figure that out. Another thing is if you ask your child to help with something or do something, do not go back and redo things. This is my, the perfect example is my PowerPoint. Now, I probably would not have picked these colors and all this kind of stuff, but I asked her to help me, and I was not about to go back and redo it because it would just crush her little spirit, and then the next time she probably wouldn't want to do it. And it really didn't matter. So don't, don't go back and redo what you ask your kids to do. Use that. Praise them. Oh, that is so awesome. You know, if you ask them to help fold clothes and they look like they're barely folded, that is wonderful. And then you just use them, and then the next time you actually train and do that. The same thing applies to husbands. Ladies, your husbands are not going to parent or run the house the way you do. So if your husband does something different, Thank you so much for putting the diaper on Johnny. You know, you're like, you know, and just deal with it. And then the next time you have an opportunity to be like, you know, these little plastic things on the side, that's where you fasten the diaper, you know. Just do that. Don't go back. If you go back and retrain, I mean, if you go back and criticize, he's going to be like, well, just do it yourself. Same thing applies to gifts from husbands. If they give you a, give you a gift you really don't like, thank you so much. Because if you are not appreciative, the gifts will stop. So, just a little tidbit on that. Uh, let's see. Organize toys. Confine them to a certain place in the house. I think if you can do that, kind of have no toy zones, which 
I would um, ask you to consider like making your bedroom a no-toy zone. I think it's good to have your bedroom be a place for you and your husband to, to the extent that you can. So think about confining toys to a certain thing in your house. Closets. Did you all know that we wear 20% of our clothes 80% of the time? We all have too much stuff. So one idea, like if, the, if your closet is an area that you're really feeling out of control on, or even with your kids, take all everything that's hanging up, turn the hangers backwards, and then when you wear the item, return it with the hanger facing forward. And then at the end of the season, you'll be able to look at it and go, I haven't worn all this stuff. And then you can make a decision on what you want to do with it. All right. Uh, your stuff. Um, Again, when we live in Dallas, we are a consumer-filled society. We all have more stuff than we need that we can take care of. So think about if, if you're doing the Mount Vernon approach or you want to purge a little bit, look at your things and say, do I love this and do I use this? Is it something you really want to have in your house? Think about if you had an hour to evacuate what you would take with you. Now, I'm not saying get rid of everything else, because like if I had an hour, I wouldn't be taking the toaster and the coffee maker and all that. But I use those things. But if there's some other stuff, um, get rid of it. I, another rule that goes with that is before you bring something in your house, and this is a good thing when your parents get older and they start to downsize or purge or whatever, you'd be amazed at what they want to give you because they think it's so special and wonderful. Um, Think about, you know, if I bring this item into my house, what is the maintenance required? You know, do I have to clean it? Do I have to polish it? Um, where am I going to put it? Is it breakable? Is it fragile? If you've got little bitty kids, you probably don't want some shiny, sparkly object that has to be Windexed or whatever. I mean, so think about that before you actually bring something in your house. Let's see. Evaluate. This would be a, a good thing for... And it can clutter control in your house. Evaluate, evaluate where you enter your house, where your family comes in. Is it a dumping ground for keys, mail, shoes, backpacks, the newspaper, the dog leash, or whatever? And then figure out ways that you can help control that clutter. Like if I have a friend that her they come in one door and she has a big silver punch bowl and that's where she puts the mail, that's where the car keys get dumped and all that. It's just it's a location for the stuff. And the good thing about that is when you go looking for something, you will know where it is. Especially as your children get older and you're trying to be places with them on a certain time, you do not want to be running around trying to figure out where your keys are. So Find a, take, look at your entry, evaluate it, make a plan. All right. Paper, paper, paper. Have a place for your stuff. And this would include um, stuff that you need to discuss with your husband. Like where, where's the spot you can put something so he'll see it. Like if you're the one who goes to the mail or you've gotten an email that he needs to read or whatever it is, figure out a place that you can that you can put his stuff so that he knows if this pile is in this spot, that means it's for me. Figure out what you're going to do with stuff when it comes to the mail. Now, I, I'm a purger. I open the mail over the trash can. If I don't need it, it goes straight in the can. Any of you been out of town for a week and you come back and you have a huge basket? And mo I mean... 80% of it's junk. It can go straight in the trash cans. I just encourage you, 
when you're, you know, figure out a plan for how you're going to manage your mail. Figure out what you're going to do with it. I have a reading box. I like to look at catalogs and stuff like that that come, but yeah, don't obviously want to do it right then. So I have a box that I'll just stick stuff in that I'll want to read. And when we go on a car trip or when I'm, you know, watching the kids do something, I might take that with me. And then if it reaches the point where that box gets full and I'm not going to go to it, I'll just pitch it. But I have I have a plan for my what I'm going to do with this, and it works for me. But think about that. You need you need a spot for it, or you won't be able to find it. Same thing for um, invitation warranties, all this stuff that comes. I know a lot of stuff now is all online, but if you really need to be able to put your your hand on a receipt and something that comes with it, figure out a place to do that. I have a big accordion file, and it's just one of those alphabetical files. So like televisions go under T you know, for television, or bicycles, all that kind of stuff. I keep my computer stuff separate. Other thing I have is a couple, I have multiple folders like these. They sell these just at office supply stores, um, or especially like with back, when all the back-to-school stuff comes out, there's all manner of folders. And I have these for a variety of different things. Um, I have them for each child, for different things I'm keeping up with for them. I have one... Um, this one is called my to-do folder, and this is where I'll put like pending different things that are pending, like I've um, filled out a form and I'm waiting to get a rebate or something like that. So I'll know, you know, it, it's coming in the mail. I have one for like this is um, classes the kids are taking. This is information from the school. But say some some of the schools are pretty much all online, but some schools you're still gonna get a lot of paper room mom information, rules for this, uniform things. But at least I know I know where it is. I have one um, this section is just like different coupons and gift certificates and stuff like that. So that when you you know somebody gives you a gift certificate or something like that, you'll be able to find it the next time you actually want to go to the restaurant and use it. And then um, I mean, so I, this this is what works for me. You might have a different different plan. I have something like this also for important things like um, insurance papers, passports, um, trying to think, uh, birth certificates, or you know maybe copies of those if you keep your originals somewhere else. But so that you can find your important papers if if you need to do that. Right, kid stuff. When, as your children get older, I think especially when they're preschool age, you just drowned in all the stuff that comes home from school. I mean, every you know addition.